Welcome back to the sixth episode of the Walk On Podcast. I'm Seth. I'm Bobby. I'm Isaiah. And today we host our first football guest, former Kentucky linebacker Cash Daniel. Cash, how are you today? I'm good, man. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Looking forward to it. Um, so how have, we've been asking this as our first question to all of our guests. Uh, how have you been affected by COVID-19 uh, and how have you been able to stay focused on football and keeping in shape? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I could say about it. Um, it's jacked up, you know, a lot of things in the world, a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people had dreams and aspirations, you know, going into the spring and summer and uh, COVID kind of killed that. Um you know, COVID really affected me um, in a way to where it enabled it enabled all some uh, guys like myself that were on that uh, fringe bubble of you know a just even get a free agent contract you know out of out of college, and we really needed that pro day to you know show that what we put on film um, you know isn't just what we can do. You know, people a lot of people have pre notions of. Uh, you know, you're too slow a player, this, this, or that. And, you know, just from the time that the season was over with and training with my strength and conditioning coaches there at UK, which uh, which arguably I think some of the best in the country, you know, what they do. Um, you know, man, I was I was in the best shape of my life. My body finally got to heal the way that it should because uh, I graduated in December. And so... I didn't have to go to class, didn't have to go to tutors, didn't have to do, you know, all the demanding hours that, you know, a college athlete, you know, takes, takes on, you know, on a daily basis. So uh, literally I would just wake, I would get, I'd be able to get good sleep every night not having to wake up at, you know, so early to study for a test or, you know, stay up so late to study for stuff and I could actually let my body rest and, you know, get proper treatment, go in and uh, get my workout in. And then just, you know, rest and relax the rest of the day. And so, um, you know, I was looking forward to it. And then, um, you know, it, it, everybody canceled their pro day. You know, seasons got canceled. Uh, you know, a lot of people got laid off jobs. And so um, that was, I would say, one of the big reasons why, probably one of the big reasons why I didn't get a free agent, you know, deal, you know, coming out of this deal um, is because, they looked at they looked at a guy and they said they looked at a guy like me and said, well, you know, he had to play hurt basically his whole career. Uh, did had three surgeries in the two years he played, and uh, he had two concussions in three weeks this year. This, this, or that. So I really needed that pro day for them to not look at me as a risk, you know, if they wanted to sign me. So I think ultimately, you know, that shot down, you know, my dream of playing in the NFL. Uh, it shot down a lot of guys' dreams, you know, to reach the NFL. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, you look back at it and you say, well, you know, it, it could be a hell of a lot worse. You know, so many people are, are out of jobs, you know, and they're, you know, struggling to find ways to feed their families and put food on the table, you know, and things like that. And at the end of the day, if I could have had, if I would have done my job and, you know, been a better player, you know, out on the field, uh, you know, I wouldn't have had to worry about that. So that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. So unfortunately your pro day was canceled. What, workout specifically were you most uh looking forward to to impress scouts and coaches that you think you previously had like a misrepresentation on uh, one would be the 40 you know really anything that involved um you know movement with my feet whether it be the l drill uh the 40 the shuttle uh drill the specific linebacker drills in itself you know and things like that just because of how much work and the emphasis that coach ed and coach hill put on me to you know, get better at lateral movement, get better at that first step out of, out of explosion. Um, and, and I was prepared to run. I mean, they had a pre-notion I was slow. I mean, because, I mean, hell, I, mean, I had to play hurt my whole career with a back injury and this, this, and that. But, uh, man, I was I was booking it. And I was getting ready to, I think my unofficial time before it all got canceled was like four five nine, four five eight, something like that. And so I was really, really excited to get to do that and you know unfortunately we didn't get to so um but yeah just i spent a lot of time you know stretching and I, so much stuff that i should have done as a player but you know like going back to that gruesome schedule that a college athlete has on a day-to-day basis like you literally have to put other priorities in front of you know in front of your your other priorities just to be able to survive a day, you know, in that kind of lifestyle. So, um, looking back on, you know, I wish there was, I was, I wish I was doing a lot of that stuff, you know, while I was playing, uh, cause I think it would have helped me out tremendously, you know, out there on the field and ultimately could have helped me, you know, squash some of those pre notion, um, things that scouts and, you know, organizations had about me. Okay. Cash, going back to your, your high school career, what schools, uh, what colleges were most heavily recruiting you and what ultimately made you decide to sign with Kentucky? And being from the state of Kentucky, was that always your aspiration to play football and attend the University of Kentucky? Yeah, so to, to get that kind of story, you got to know a little bit about you know my hometown and everything like that. Um, I'm from a really small town in southeastern Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains uh, called Paintsville, Kentucky. Um, very, very small, uh, population of the whole County is under 5,000, I think. And we're the third smallest, my high school was the third smallest public school in the state of Kentucky, where you had grades six through 12, all in one building with, and that whole building held around no more than 400 kids, no more than that. Uh, I graduated with 52 kids. Um, my freshman year, uh, we had 17 football players on the team and it got so bad to where like we didn't win any games. We were terrible. And, uh, for some reason, everybody in the state of Kentucky makes playoffs and, uh, we were one in nine, I think at that time. And we had to play the number one team in our region. And we literally had to dress hurt players just to be eligible to play that game because KHSA states you have to have 15, 15 eligible players to even play a game. 
And there was a couple dudes that had career, uh, not career, but season-ending injuries. And they were just standing there in their boot, you know, or whatever, in full gear out there freezing their ass off. But um, then we, you know, we got better as it went. You know, got more kids recruited, or not recruited, well, basically recruited. Um, You know, got more kids to come out, you know, and then each year was, you know, better and better until my senior year. You know, we reached the state semis and and unfortunately lost in that. But um, I didn't get started. I didn't get recruited until the spring of my junior year, uh, going to my junior spring ball. Uh, I had small schools started recruiting me. My first offer was uh, Austin P, and I'll, I'll never forget that, that that night and how happy I was, you know, just to receive an offer and not have to and know that no matter what happens, if it's the only school that offers me, you know, my dad's not going to have to pay, you know, for me to go to college. And that was my biggest, you know, aspiration and goal was to not you know, have to have my dad, you know, sacrifice more than what he already has, you know, just put me through college. So that was an unbelievable feeling. And then I started getting uh, smaller schools to offer me. I had, uh, I think Marshall offered me next. And then UNC Charlotte, uh, EK, Eastern Kentucky University, Ohio University, um, Troy University, uh, teams like that. And then, I don't know if it's still like this or not, but back in those days, you had to get you have you had to have Division One offers to even go to a rivals camp, just to even get invited to to get starred and ranked, you know, and all that stuff that you know these that college that, like college programs look at and everything. So I was I had to go to North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte, and I was the only kid there that didn't have any uh, Power Five offers, and so uh, and I remember. And my dad was always a hard ass on me, you know, growing up and always saying these hard ass things to get me going. I remember going there and he would say, yeah, man, he goes, this is your job interview right here. And I was like, what? You know, what the hell are you talking about? This is just football, man. And, uh, but he was right. I'm not there. And I ended up getting sixth best uh, overall player in camp, number one defensive player overall. Um, cause I'm, nobody really heard of me until that point. And, um, you know, I had a really good camp of covering running backs, covering tight ends, this, this, and that drill work and all that. And then, uh, that news gets out. I get back, to, I get back home, uh, that next week I had, uh, coach Elliott from Kentucky, who's now the defensive coordinator at Kansas. He came down and watched me, uh, work out and have spring practice. And then, you know, five, six hours later, Kentucky was my first power five offer. And as a kid growing up in, in Appalachia in Eastern Kentucky and to have that get to get that Kentucky offer, man, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the pearly gates opened up, you know, like you've reached it. Cause man, when you're growing up in, in that environment, cause Kentucky fans are crazy. I mean, they are, they are absolutely nuts, nuts in a good way. I mean, you go home, you stay here in Lexington, and you go out anywhere, anywhere except Louisville or the Louisville area. Like, you see everything UK. People wear UK hats, UK hoodies, UK bumper stickers on their car. I mean, I don't even know some people on Sundays when we would go to church would have nice, you know, button-downs with a UK emblem right here. I mean, that's part of their Sunday best, man. So you know how how passionate, you know, these people are. Because we don't have a professional sports team. The closest sports team we got to us is uh, the Reds and – 
the Predators in Nashville and the Bengals. So, I mean, that's about it. So, Kentucky football has almost looked like, you know, a professional sport, like the, like the team that represents the state. You know, so uh, – and a lot of it, you know, is when I was growing up, especially with, with the struggles of Kentucky football then, was more of basketball-oriented. But ever since my freshman year, that's all changed. I mean, you see a lot more football fans now than – or a lot less talk about basketball than you would, you know, with what we've done in the past four years. So, um, so when that happened, Kentucky offered me, and then that got out. And then the next day, uh, Louisville came down to offer me. South Carolina came down to offer me. Purdue came down and offered me. I had, uh, and this was crazy, because we would have uh, college coaches coming to our 6 a.m. spring practices before school. And, like, some of the town would come and, like, watch us practice because of those college coaches. Man, I remember when Urban Meyer came. Uh, he came to practice. And, like, we had, like, little kids out there, you know, hanging above. It looked like, you know, people were coming out to, you know, watch an inner squad scrimmage or something. And it was actually really cool just to see that kind of attention brought to, you know, my small community just because of a game. And it was really cool. But, um, you know, ultimately I took a, I took some visits and, uh, you know, here and there. And Steve, I took a visit to South Carolina. And they offered me, like, three months prior before this, and I went down there. This was a showcase, like, slash visit. And this showcase was what got me into the U.S. Army All-American game. And I went down there. It was after the showcase and everything. I had a good showcase. I had two picks against their number one quarterback, Nett. Yada, yada. And um, the linebackers coach, the guy who was recruiting me at the time, takes me up to Steve Spurrier and introduces me to him. And the dude didn't even know who I was. Like Steve Sperry was like, Oh, who's this kid? So now, oh, he's the kid we offer from Kentucky. Kid from Kentucky, Kenner. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yada, yada, yada. So I was like, All right, man, screw this place. We ain't coming here. Not going here. Yeah. <laughs> not, not going here. But I mean, South Carolina's cool. I mean, it's like probably one of the heads down, probably one of the coolest away games I've ever played at with, you know, their atmosphere and, you know, sandstorm, you know, and everything like that. It was pretty, it's on all, an amazing atmosphere. But, uh, at the end of the day, man, it was it came down to uh, Louisville, South Carolina, and Kentucky, and those are no reason it came down to those three because those are my three biggest offers. And so I was going to put out like I was deciding between those three, but I knew I was going to Kentucky. I just didn't tell anybody. And then um, you know, July Fourth came, and I had my you know commitment thing that I've been dreaming about you know since I was a little kid seeing these dudes you know every year on the, on signing day get up there and pick the hat and all that uh, you could like if you, if you go back and if you if you get a chance to like look at my commitment video you could look by the hats you could look at the hats and, and tell which place I was going because I didn't put any effort into finding a Louisville hat or a uh, or a South Carolina hat like. I, the hat that I had for Louisville wasn't even a Louisville hat. It was a Scott County High School Cardinals baseball hat that my cousins had. It's like they, <laughs> they went to and they played, and they were they were black and red. So I had that sitting up there, and then I found a South Carolina hat that I found in a gas station on my way down to uh, on my way down to turkey hunt one during the spring. And so I picked it up, and then I had a really nice new era Kentucky hat sitting there, and it said C A T S in big letters written all the way across. So just by if you got there and just looked at it, you'd be like, okay, this kid's probably going to Kentucky. I just looked at it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I 
I just looked it up. There's there's a a, a strong difference in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, so, that's that's it. So at the U.S. Army All American game, did you kind of was that your first moment really thinking like, wow, I'm really playing against elite competition? Absolutely, and if it wasn't for that, it, my first couple, my first semester on on campus at UK, or like when I early enrolled, and to get a head start on everybody, you know, the guys coming in the fall. If I didn't have that experience, um, you know, I would have been way behind the eight ball. You know, I think, um, you know, just going down there and playing against, you know, the elite of the elite guys that are going to uh, not only SEC schools but top tier SEC schools. They're not just going to top tier SEC schools. They're going to top tier big, uh, big 10 teams, top 10, uh, you know, Pac 12. You know, I mean, so many guys that I met and we play randomly. I don't know. I don't know how this worked out, but me, Drake Jackson and Landon Young, uh, two of my other teammates that are from Kentucky that play for Kentucky, uh, we got put on the West team. So we were out there playing with dudes from like California, Nevada. Uh, Oregon, you know, things like that. So we got to meet a lot of really cool people and guys that I still talk to this day. I uh, met Felipe Franks down there. Uh, he was quarterback there. Ben Cleveland from you know, Georgia. Jacob Eason, Isaac Nada. Uh, you know, there's so many guys, you know, that I played that I played with or played against down there that, you know, I got to meet and now see what they did in college and, you know, what they're doing in the NFL now. It's just like, hey, man, that was a really damn cool experience. But, the overall experience of the competition, yeah, I mean, yeah, because if you look at it, like Kentucky high school football, especially in 1A, um, you know, the competition level is, you know, not the best. You know, I mean, I was at the biggest lineman until then that I went up against was probably, you know, a 600 or 6'2", you know, maybe close to 300-pound really unathletic lineman, you know, that that doesn't move like a tight end. So uh, that the, the, the practices down there, uh, we're very, very competitive, um, and I think it helped me turn that, turn that niche to where, you know, you're going to have to bring your best every day in practice just to be able to survive and not get exposed out there. So that was a really, really good experience for me, and I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, I got to experience it. Skipping forward now to your college career, um, your freshman year in college, you featured mostly on, on special teams. Uh, do you think that helped you develop as a player later on, or how helpful do you think that was? So, my freshman and sophomore year, that's really the only action I ever saw. Um, looking back at it, I wish I would have, uh, I wish they would have registered me just because I would have had an extra year to play, mm-hmm. um, you know, a full semester to another full semester. Because I graduated, like I said, I graduated high school early, so I already had a head start, you know, against everybody that was coming in, but. Uh, and a lot of people, like a lot of guys, and I, and I had to tell these guys, um, you know, my junior, my senior year when I was captain, you know, got young guys would come in and they're so eager to play and they're so eager to, you know, start right off the bat, do this, do that. And, and because none of them have ever had to really sit the bench before or they was always considered the star of their town, star of their program, this, this, or that. But the thing they had to realize is that everybody that's on that team now was the same dude you were in high school, if not even more of the dude. You know what I'm saying? So, and the, and those dudes had to come in and sit out, you know, a year in red shirt. And a lot of guys looked at it like a death sense. I'm like, dude, that's the best thing you could ever get. 
you're you're going to you're going to have a, a full semester of full grinding college workouts to get bigger, faster, and stronger. You have a semester to literally study the playbook, which is what you should be doing. And now there's you know, there's a lot of guys that you know go down the different road. There's two roads you can go down. You can go down the road of being a party animal, you know, and going out almost every night, you know, and you know being this or that, or you can go down the road of what you were supposed to be doing and why you're here in the first place is studying that playbook, get bigger, faster, stronger, get, and basically you use that semester as a warm-up semester to not only get introduce yourself to college football, but college in itself and life, life on your own, because that's the bit, one of the biggest challenges, you know, for guys coming up is being by themselves. And so for me, not being redshirted, um, we were, the only reason I wasn't redshirted is because we didn't have any depth at all. I mean, the guy that I was backing up, it was his first year starting. He was, uh, you know, a transfer from Nebraska that had to sit out a year. And uh, one of my best friends to this day. And, you know, sitting sitting behind him and, and, you know, and he was, he was you know, the leader of our team at that point. And at that time, you know, the program in itself, you know, what Coach Stoops was trying to implement, you know, how a program should be ran, uh, you know, it was baby steps, you know, to, to follow, to – to create leadership, you know, and, a, and create a team-led team. And Courtney did an unbelievable job at that. And so just looking, getting that, getting those two years of just doing what I had to do. Um, you know, Coach Hood, our special teams coordinator, my sophomore year came in, and I knew Coach Hood from – Coach Hood's my guy. I mean, he, he recruited me from when he was at EKU. Um, he, he recruited and coached my cousin Scott at EKU, so – we already had a family time. We already had a, you know, a really good connection with him. And so when he came in and he's a special, and he's a special teams guru, dude, I mean, like we would, especially on the punt team. So he put me in it as like personal protector. And I think it was my sophomore year that I actually had the fake punt against Missouri. I ran a, we ran a fake punt against Missouri down at like, like backed up on our, on just on our side of the 50 yard. I think it was like the 47 Four, or 46. Yeah. Yeah. And so and when he when he looked at and it's actually it's actually really funny. So we that play was called Wildcat, okay. And he would always send in the signals through hand signals. The sign for the Wildcat was that he would just literally look at you, just reach down and grab his nuts. That was it. Like he he always said, you got to have balls run this stuff. When he looked and at this situation, he sent us out there, and we always practice it on Fridays. We always practice it on Thursdays. You know, just in case we get that situation, we never had that situation before, and we were actually down, and that actually led us down to score. And we were out there. And I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there thinking, "Ah, oh, we're about to run, you know, a rugby punt. This is not back them up in their own territory and let the defense do their do their job." But he looked out there at me and grabbed his nuts, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "We're about, was like, we're about to run, we're about to run a fake punt." So, and actually, if you watch the video, it should have been like it should have been a flag because not everybody was set. Because our job was to rush up there from that sugar huddle as fast as we could to get that return team discombobulated. Because we had like it was like an overload set because we had like our tackle and our guard completely switched to the other side, so it was a complete overload set. So they're sitting there scrambling around, going, "What the hell do we do? This, this, and that." And so <laughs> we got up there so fast, and I was trying to snap the ball so fast, those guys couldn't get lined up. My end, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was he was the last guy on the line. And as I was saying, Hut, you could see his feet like stutter to get like to get set. So it should have been a flag. But um, 
it was an awesome experience for me. It taught me just running down on kickoff. I was the, I was the, in old school terms, the wedge buster. I would run down and run through through double teams and this, this, and and then I I would try to and I used it as a, you know, set the tempo for our team. You know, I mean, I'm I had a job to do and, you know, that was my role. You know, was to go out there, run down on kickoff, block on kick return, block on punt return. You know, I'm block my ass off on punt. Like that was what they told me to do and whatever they told me to do, you know, I was going to do, I'm just out there following orders. I look, literally looked at it like the military. It's like, I'm out there following orders, whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And so if I have to run down there, if you tell me I got to run down on kickoff and my sole job is to put that dude's ass in the dirt, I'm going to do it. For so playing special teams and, you know, and knowing the grind of that is really beneficial for guys that, that are looking to make an impact early if they want to make an impact early on, on the team as freshmen or redshirt freshmen, you know, special teams is the way to go. And if you look at it for guys like me that like, if I would have, if I would have had the chance to get in the NFL, like my first, the only thing, my first training camp would be, I would annoy the piss out of the special teams coordinator. I'd be in his office every day trying to get something, you know, that I could use out there on the field or show him that I give a, you know, give a damn about special teams. Cause that's how you're going to make the team, you know, in the pro level as well. You're obviously known to be a tough player. Do you think that in an SEC environment, such as when you had a broken hand against Vanderbilt, that adrenaline takes over? Well, the, the hand was the second injury of of the year. So the first one, I had to play through this, my back. My back, man, was all jacked up the whole season. And um, it happened like a couple, like a week, the last week of training camp. Like something happened, we were in a play, and I I landed on my heels and put all my pressure on my my right heel or something, and I just felt like a pop in my lower right back, and I couldn't walk, dude. I mean, like I literally couldn't walk, couldn't hardly sit down, couldn't hardly get in my stance, and I had to have two epidural spine shots during that season just to be able to play. And like if you look back at the Florida game, I had a wide open shot on Felipe Franks, and I ended up hitting him after he after he threw it. But I look like an old man coming in there, you know, running like I got arthritis and everything wrong because I, you know, because I freaking do. My back's all jacked up. And man, it was it was just so. And, and I always played hurt growing up. I mean, my favorite player of all time is Brett Favre. And if there's one thing that dude taught me, is that if you can walk, you can play. And I mean, he played with a snap broken thumb on a throwing on a throwing hand, a broken ankle. Played a day after his dad died. I'll never forget that game. I was watching with my dad, um, you know, and just seeing and, and, and implementing not skill set but mindset of dudes like that. Uh, I did so much growing up. You know, I tried to implement so many people's mental approach to the game of football into my game as much as possible. Take a piece from here. Take a piece from there. Take a piece from Brian Dawkins. Take a piece from Ray Lewis. Take a piece from, you know, Brett Favre, Charles Woodson. Uh, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor, John Randall, you know, guys like that that played with that kind of that kind of grit in their crawl that I played with and how I think football should be played. Yeah, I mean, you're out there for your brothers and you're out there for your state. And in my perspective, you know, I was out there for my state and the guy, and for people that, you know, believed in me and that I had a whole region, you know, in East Kentucky back home. Like, nobody gets recruited out of East Kentucky back in those days. Nobody had a Kentucky kid 
you know, out there starting on the defense. This and that. So I felt like I had a responsibility not only to my teammates, not only to myself, but to the fans and the community that supported me growing up that if I can be out there playing with my dudes, no matter how bad it hurts, if I can go out there and execute my job and get guys lined up, get them in the right position pre-snap, you know, and go make a play, hell, I'm good with it. If you guys shoot me up with quarter zone, shoot me up with quarter zone, I'll go out there and I'll play all day. And then the hand thing happened, so I think I still got my scar. And it's, it actually, I actually broke it just trying to throw a damn tight end off me. Like, we got locked up inside, and I was holding my gap, you know, staying outside, keeping my inside leverage free. And he just held on to me, and I kept, like, pushing, pushing. I pushed him down like that, and all of a sudden I just felt like a, like a pop in my hand. Went over to the sideline. They taped it up. And then I went out there the next, like, the next series, and Vandy was, you know, driving the score on us. And it wasn't a blitz, but I saw the play open. I watched so much film. Uh, I watched their set and their play open up to where I knew to where that line was going to be pulling at. So they, the ball was snapped. I seen the lineman pull, got underneath his pull, reached out, and I'm going to give my man Q a lot of credit on this. He probably knocked that ball out. But, I mean, I had my hand in there with him, and Q's, hand, Q's helmet hit that hand. Oh, my God, dude, you talk about pain. But when the ball came out and I saw that we had the ball, pain was gone. Like, adrenaline kicked in. It was like, let's go, let's go, like, you know, just hopped up to win the game. But then, uh, but then I had went went into the locker room after the game. They X-rayed it, like, yep, spiral spiral break, uh, surgery on Monday. I was like, all right. And then I had surgery on Monday, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, play against Missouri on Saturday, and then the rest is history. What is the craziest environment that you've played in? The craziest. There's a lot of them, man. I mean, uh, Kyle Field was definitely cool. My junior year, it was crazy. You know, to see how many – the 12th man is, is legit. Uh, you know, I always thought that that was like, you know, their their saying or their slogan. And But, no, it's it's, it's legit. <laughs> they're, they're pretty loud. Um, you know, South Carolina, like I mentioned, you know, with the, with the sandstorm, you know, and everything like that, and how passionate those fans are. But man, I'd say probably, probably the most like hostile environment was probably the swamp, just because, like, if you see how that stadium's built, like the, the fans are literally right on top of you, and so, I mean, it's hot, it's humid, it's prime time college football. You know, you got all those great Florida fans down there hollering everything in the world at you and it's just uh it's just a hostile environment and another place too was alabama my freshman year and i'll be able to tell my grandkids that we were up three nothing at the end of the first quarter on alabama that's gonna be something what was it like to play for coach stoops does anything about his personality or coaching style stick out man i wouldn't want to play for anybody else that man he was uh the definition of a player's coach but and and you hear a lot of guys talk about players, coaches, and you look back on them, and and, and when you look deeper into it, it's like, well, the reason they say that is because maybe he didn't have a grip on the team, and they let they let the team basically do whatever they want. That wasn't the case. That's not the case with us. It's like it's a he's a controlled uh, players coach. Like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Top stuff. 
Uh, he was really respectful of our time, um, respectful of our personal time away from football. Um, but you know, the, 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 the time when we walked in the doors, you know, for meetings and practice and this and that though, I mean, we had to be locked in, dialed in and ready to go because if he's, if he's saying, if, if I'm going to respect your time, you're going to respect mine. And you know, that we built a, a respect foundation off that everybody came in, tapped in, ready to work. And he's a guy that gets the best out of his players, uh, with multiple strategies of motivation, um, and he's just an overall a great leader, you know, for our team. And for me, he gave me a chance, you know, as a kid coming out of, you know, southeast Kentucky that didn't have a lot of talent, uh, didn't have a lot of, you know, this, this, or that coming out of the area. But he gave he, he took a chance on me, um, you know, and gave me the opportunity to live out my dream, which, you know, is being a Kentucky kid playing for the Kentucky Wildcats. So I'll never be able to, you know, thank Coach Stoops enough for everything he's done for me, man. He's been – uh, you know, like a father figure to me. And, you know, I, I know that's somebody that no matter where I end up in the world or how many years it's been, I can always pick up the phone and call him. And, you know, he, he'd either help me or just sit there and talk to me. That's the kind of guy he is. That's great. In college, you played as a high level of, of emotion and a high level of intensity. And some people thought you took it too far almost how would you describe your own your play style to them maybe don't then these are like and people that say this and like they can sit there and be like well you know i, I played linebacker in high school i played this i played this my whole career yeah but you didn't play it at this level mm-hmm. you didn't you don't know the grind that goes into it you don't know the mental exhaustion that goes into it. You don't know the physical exhaustion that goes into it. It's just, it's just people that talk, that, that talk about stuff that they literally have no idea about. And if you don't want to play that way, like, like Michael George said, if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. That's yeah. it. That's how, that's how, that's how I was raised to play the game. Um, you know, like I said, I grew, growing up watching guys like Ray Lewis, and, you know, Brian Dawkins and guys like that. Those guys were, were killers out there. They were out there to, kill somebody with their pads and not literally wanting to kill somebody, but run through, run through somebody's chest, run through somebody. You know, that's what gave me satisfaction out there was to, you know, know that I'm out there doing my job and playing this game with a high level of intensity, a high level of, uh, just getting after it man. and just know that I can go down on kickoff, run 40, 40 yards down the field at full tilt and knock the living, you know what, out of somebody, but I can't do that on the street. And so, and it's the most emotional, the most emotional game that you'll ever play. You can't play this game without any emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you'll get killed out there. It's literally a kill or be killed game that I think people are wanting to make so soft that it's not football anymore. Just like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a lot of stuff that to where, Unless you've experienced it, and unless you know what to do, then you can't you can't comment on my game because you never lived it. Yeah. But I will say that you know sometimes that I take it a little too far to get guys going. Like I'll do anything to get my guys going. Like I don't uh, if I got to get up, you know, and and talk shit to everybody on that team, straight up face to face after every play. 
I'll do it. If I have to go out there and repeatedly just hit somebody over and over and over and over and over again, you know, I'm going to do it. And so whatever, you know, the people say about my game and this, this, and that, you know, that's you. It's like MJ said, you never want anything. You don't want to play that way, don't play that way. And so there's there's some guys, you know, that play football and go about football like they go about their life in general, you know, just calm, go easy, go happy, and then they can just turn it on right when they cross the line. But for me and how I had to play the game, and I'm only talking for stuff that worked for me. Like it's not going to work for, you know, everybody out there. It's just people that are wired like me, that think like me, and that's just how I played the game. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I look back at it, I have – I mean, I have, I have some regrets, you know, in, in the game, but overall I wouldn't change one way of how I play yeah um so on a on a lighter maybe more exciting note um walk us through that that stone cold steve austin celebration again florida uh at the end of that game and i i know you're in a group chat with him i don't know if you still are but no we don't we don't that, that group chat was it was a uh just an in, introduction group chat basically yeah. but um yeah, and uh, that's another reason why I guess I'm probably one of the most hated and hated people in the state of Florida, but <laughs> uh, or the country of Florida, I should say. Yeah, but um, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'll say this for the record: it was a lot. It's the Stone Cold celebration was not a lot better idea than the original idea I had. <laughs> uh, the, the original idea I had, I was going to pull Baker Mayfield and go out there and. You know, stomp the flag right in the middle of the gator. I and I, but, but I think if I would have done that, I think people would have came out of the stands and literally tried. We, we wouldn't have made it back to Lexington alive if that would have happened. <laughs> there ain't no way. <laughs> but um, I, was, I was sitting there, man, and, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, was a guy, another guy that, you know, that had that same, he had the mentality that I took to football that he took to wrestling, had an FU mentality. Didn't give a shit, you know, what anybody, you know, was saying about him, this, this, or that. He just went out and did what he did every night with a, with intensity, had fun with it, and just tried to, you know, just tried to, you know, to be the baddest dude he could be. And, um, you know, so I, I love wrestling. I love the, you know, especially his character and how intense he was all the time. And, uh, you know, he's a, that was just an, an iconic move, you know, from the Attitude Era that, you know, a lot of people know. And um, at that time, I just felt I, I never had an opportunity to celebrate, to use that celebration, like something that big happening. So I was like, damn, it's probably like maybe the only chance I ever get to do to celebrate something like this. So I grabbed my video guy, Jacob Noter, and I was just like, hey, man, stand next to me. I got something coming. And then... <laughs> He videoed it. We put it out on Twitter. Next thing you know, it goes viral. And uh, I'm in a group chat with Stone Cold. So that's, and that's it. Yeah. Awesome. But it was actually pretty funny. Then they came back and beat us this year. And that yeah. lineman, the lineman came out and did the thing with the water bottles. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I can see that. It was pretty funny. And so I guess people thought I'd, that, I guess a lot of people think that I'd get mad at something like that. But I was like, oh. You're, yeah. taking a, you're taking that move I made famous on you guys. Yeah. 
Exactly. So that was fine. Sparked your 2018, a big, big win there for you guys that year. Do you think that that 2018 and 2019 season really elevated the perception of Kentucky football, that it's not just a basketball school, we got to have a football team too? Damn right. That's the only thing that 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 that, that changed that perspective was because of was because of that team and the, the the amount of talented players we had on the field at one time. Um, you know that season was just it was it was different, man. It was um, you could tell in that like that was the best led team led team uh, that I've ever been a part of. Uh, a coach hardly ever had to tell us to do anything to get extra this, to organize seven on seven when they're not there. I mean, we were working from June. I mean, we were we were in install seven of 12, like fluent out there running against each other three weeks before training camp even started. And so just to have that down and go out there, and we had an unbelievable fall camp, uh, pushed each other every day, had killer scrimmages, Leadership was just off the charts. You know, guys in there watching extra film, guys taking care of the body, this, this, and that. And we just had an attitude of, you know, we refuse to lose. Like we're not, we're we're tired of this shit. We're not going to lose anymore. We're going to have, we're going to go out there and, and not come close, but actually finish this stuff. And so, literally, every day in practice was about finishing, finishing the rep. Don't stop until the whistle blows. Eleven hats of the ball. I mean, we would have. Like and it was and it was a standard that we set for ourselves, and that's the word we used a lot was a standard, not expectations, not goals, but a standard. And I think it was implemented to us every day through Coach House, our defense coordinator at the time, one of the smartest, hands down, one of the smartest football IQs uh, around uh, in the game of football. That's why he's a Super Bowl champion now with the Kansas City Chiefs as our linebacker coach. He did an unbelievable job with this program, an unbelievable job with his players to get the best out of us every day and to live up to that standard that we talked about every day. And we were getting like like dudes would get in trouble at practice, like if, if they didn't get out of the stack and run of the ball. Or didn't show five hard steps getting into the ball or it was called a loaf. Or didn't like we'd have to like pick up the ball like if it was a we were scrimmaging and it was an incomplete pass. Somebody had to go scoop and score it. You know, it was little things like that that we did that ultimately helped us out on the field. And we just executed our standard, executed our game plan, and, uh, you know, just went out there and balled out on Saturdays. Man, it was it was hands down the funnest time I ever had. So now just kind of moving into some non, non-football-related questions. Um, Here we go, the fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. We got a few of them. Um, so with your dad being a former professional bass fisherman, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you joining the bass fishing team, what is your largest catch while you're out fishing? Well, uh, see, I only, I only really bass fish. I don't, I don't catfish, you know, or anything like that, just because, you know, dad got me into it when I was such a little kid, and dad only fished on the tour for like three or four years, and he wasn't a big name like Kevin Van Dam, you know, or some of those guys out there. I mean, he was just literally just on the tour. And, um, you know, it, it's, it was just something for me that, you know, that I loved, I started off just loved being with my dad. And, um, you know, ultimately it just came a part of me and something that I used, you know, at one as a getaway, uh, you know, and, and two, just as a, you know, just real, just being relaxed and my happy place out there. But, 
biggest my biggest bass ever was eight pounds down at Lake Gunnersville in Alabama. But uh, we're gonna see if we can't try to smash that this coming spring. Yeah. Good luck. I appreciate it. So in the state of Kentucky, obviously you got Louisville and you have Kentucky. What is the fan hatred like and what's the rivalry like? I mean, I don't think it's on the level of like Ohio State, Michigan, or Texas, Oklahoma, but it's up there, you know. Um, uh, it's it's up there. It's up there pretty bad. I mean, you, there's uh, there's some hatred going on always, especially on Twitter, since Twitter gives everybody a voice. Um, and there's this always, you know, whenever you go to Louisville or wherever they come here, you know, you just know that that's it's. You just know that. Um, what's on the line and you know that it's really just like and it's like bragging rights basically that's all it is um i mean it's always great you know having that kind of robbery and and getting that you know that extra you know uh that pep in your step because you know it's a robbery game you know not just for us you know but for both teams it makes it good for people to watch you know i think uh other than the brawl we had my sophomore year uh it's been uh, it's been a pretty clean robbery, I would say. But if you now that I'm out of it, you know, and I'm and I'm looking back at it, like people go way too hard in that stuff, man. It's it's not it doesn't it's not it's not that important, you know. Like people people get sometimes get too carried away with it and like, oh, I'm doing this just because he's a, you know playing at Louisville, or I'm doing this because he plays for Kentucky, you know, this this or that. And I'm like, dude chill like we're still just we're still college kids and we're still just we're still human beings it's like you dudes so just chill for a second but it's uh it's a rivalry you know and everything that that comes with it you know you got your trash talking you got your you know extra excitement this this, and that but um you know it's fun you know and the governor's cup you know is something that you know we always want to bring home back with us you know every year in Lexington would you say that that it's it's a bigger rivalry than say Kentucky Tennessee or Kentucky. Uh, you know, man, I, I really couldn't. I was if I had to put a like, I, I would say our biggest rivalry, like in order. Yeah, in order, like it pro- Louisville was probably like our biggest rival, and then next would be Florida. It's a toss up between Florida and Louisville of the most hate. If we're going by hate, yeah, uh, yeah, if we're going by hate itself. Then Louisville and Florida were the top two, and then Tennessee, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This is a question I usually I always ask our guests here. It's a it's a little fun one to wrap up. If I'm walking down the street in Lexington, Kentucky, home of your alma mater, and I bump into you and I say I'm starving, I'm I gotta eat somewhere. Where are you directing me? Which restaurant? Shit, man, I'm bringing you home. I'm bring I'm throwing something on the grill. We're going. We're we're grilling out, man. I don't eat out that much, you know. Oh, especially okay. in Lexington, places tax like a mofo. But uh, yeah, man. If you if you were going out in Lexington, though, um, Waffle House is good. You know, you can't beat a Waffle House. Um, everything like if you're walking in downtown Lexington, like that's all like big money type stuff there. But you can go out to to Drake's, Malone's. Um, Drake's is probably like where I would go. That's like your typical, you know, burgers and, you know, burger dogs and beer joint. But, 
But yeah, man, if you're here and you said you're hungry, man, we come back here with those steaks on the, some deer, but some deer steaks on the grill. Uh, and have a good old time. Yeah. So. No place like home. That's right, bro. I'm, I'm a homebody. I don't go out. Before we end the episode, we just want to let Cash let us know a little bit about his YouTube channel that he's starting up. Okay, so uh, we're talking about fishing and hunting and stuff, so I'm actually trying to start a, a YouTube show on YouTube. It's called Off Season, where uh, you know I take college and professional athletes, college coaches, professional coaches, analysts, former or current, uh, you know, and we go hunting or fishing. And, we just, and it's the idea of that people, especially fans, only get to really know the, the athlete side of things. Like they only look at them as, you know, as entertainment, you know, or a – a number and a, a number on a jersey, and when we're more, we're more than just athletes. And we're more than just, you know, than just people's entertainment. You know, we're we're you know we're people, and they got a story to tell. And so, the essence of this show is for people to get to know the real the real side of the athlete. Uh, you know, where he comes from, where he or she comes from. You know, their adversities growing up. You know, and things like that, and just to actually get to know the real person rather than just what they see on the field or court every day. So. Um, if you guys head over to my Twitter, if you guys head over to my Twitter page or my Instagram page, there's a link in my uh, link in my bios. You click on there, subscribe to it, and you know we're going to try to get as many episodes as we can. So I'm really looking forward to it. That's awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Gonna do something similar with this, with this. So that's 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 good. I'll definitely give it a follow. Well, Cash, it's been a pleasure. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And stay healthy and safe during this unparalleled time. Yeah, hey, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much, man. Y'all be good. Yeah, Y'all have anything hard. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. That was our interview with Cash Daniel, former Kentucky linebacker. Um, really interesting interview, and I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Really touched on some really interesting points that I – did not know coming because this is our first football podcast that we've done. So really hearing about the draft process and the effect of coronavirus on uh, his draft stock and football future was interesting, as well as the the fun stuff with the the behind the scenes of the upset at the swamp was really interesting to hear and about the uh, shoulda coulda woulda the fl- almost could have been big-time flag plant that he almost did on the Gator. Uh, that was really funny. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. It's very unique to see the highlight, the differences between football and basketball, especially considering Cash is one year removed from his college career, so his stories are very updated and relevant. Be sure to join us for the newest episode of the Walk On Podcast coming next week. Thank you. Have a good one.